Anywho. Welcome to part two of this week's Soft Pants Podcast with your hosts, Hannah and Molly. And there's going to be some cursing. Okay, were you there last week when I said something to your dad and I said, well, I'm a people pleaser? And he said, God, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I was like, <sighs> no, I don't remember that. I wasn't there for that. But that seems like a very Michael response and kind of accurate. <laughs> I mean, I would say you are a people pleaser, but you have a tolerance and your threshold for people pleasing when you pass that, oh, it's, it's like bad. people, like a fuck you over people. Oh, I get so. There is thing. a certain point, and I wish I knew what that point was, but there's a certain point I'm just like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. And as I'm going out, I'm actually yelling obscenities at you. Right. So I wouldn't, I mean, the first thing, the first thing I would say about you wouldn't be people pleasing. I'm not saying that you aren't a people pleaser, but it's not the first word that would pop into my head to describe you. It would be really high on my list. Hmm. That would be interesting too. If we had like some psychotherapists on the (laughs) podcast and we wrote all the things that we think are, are, um, our top, our top, like our top qualities about ourselves, like how and then we our, qu- our top qualities about each other, and then have them, you know, analyze what that says about okay, us. Okay, so if that's not the top, would it be in the top ten? Probably not. <laughs> I want to say I, I think Molly, you have such a big swing in personalities. In different contexts. I would say that, too. I feel like your personality and context, like when you're the boss, you're the motherfucking boss. You know what I mean? And I and I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I think that we have far too long categorized women being the boss as bossy or bitchy. And I think when a woman's a boss and she's the goddamn boss, that's not a problem at all. Don't take that in the, oh, in the I'm wrong not. way. I'm just listening. But I would think that... My top 10 for you would be like an independence, creativity. I think you're a really creative person. I don't. I would not describe myself. Really? No. I think you're extremely creative. No. I would say kind of, I, I don't want to say quirky because I feel like maybe like eclectic or eccentric. 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 I would say those are top ones too. You know, because I think that you have this like creative sort of flair, this kind of unique thing with the hair and your your funky clothes. They're not that funky. Well, you're no Karen dressed in like, you know, L.L. Bean matching khaki suit. Yeah, but who really is? Karen. Yeah. The Karens of That's the world. totally Karen. See, I, I think you dress more create, creatively. Cre- creatively. Cre- need, where are the words from my mouth? Probably still in the bottom of that bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah, I don't know. I am, I'm creative. I don't think I'm really creative. I disagree. I think, I, Molly, you have a very creative instinct. Not necessarily in the sense that you okay. I like that. That you, that you like that. are a like an artisan. An artist, but that you just have a desire to make things, to create things. Okay. And to I like the creative mm. instinct. 
Let's, yeah. let's hashtag that and one. I would, I would describe it more as a flare. I think when I think of you, I think of interesting shapes and lots of colors and kind of a bold thing going on. I don't think you've ever been afraid of being the bold kind of thing in you. You know, like you've always been ready to embrace the bold. Like when when I first met you when I was three, you were driving a pink Volvo that had plastic flowers all over the car, like completely covering the car. And if that's not creative and bold, Molly, I don't know what is. You were not afraid of a little flare. Of a little panache. No, and that's why I would describe it a flare. A panache is good. But here it is. I think that was context. Because if we were in a parade and we decorated our cars, I don't think I would have the most bold car. But I think what I do, which is probably ingenious of me, is put into context. Mm-hmm. You so who actually drives around way. every day in a pink car with flowers put it all over? And your chicken purse? Right. Do you remember the chicken purse? Oh my right. god, I, lo- I still have that. Exactly. I love that chicken purse. And to me, those kinds of things and describe I creativity to me. Like that to okay. me is a creative energy. Not necessarily like like a tactile, I create things, but a cre- like an inspired creative okay, energy. That's okay. what I mean by creative for okay. you. So, yeah, I'd say independent, the boss. I'd say a creative energy, bold. I'll have to think about the last one. I appreciate how much of a self-starter you are. Yes. You are a self-starter. I would say that. I'll agree with you. Not a self-finisher from what I've seen around the house. but. No. That's the opposite. But that's okay. And and, and I'm a Libra. (laughs) Oh, and you know what? That's another thing about Gemini. That's my point. I don't like finish shit. You do though. Yeah, Gemini's don't finish you anything. May, ah, it takes a while. You may fin- you may start ten things, and only some of them get finished. But that's more things that get finished than somebody who only starts one never thing started. or never starts anything. Right. Okay. Gotcha. I do dive deep. I just like make those piles and start them. This is a great conversation. I feel really good about myself, you guys. Good. You should. You should feel empowered. There was a really good episode of Freakonomics I listened to years and years ago before that podcast kind of went off the rails. But it was, (laughs) the topic was, it's okay to quit. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm right there. Yeah, I'm always like, quitting? I'm there. Well, you know, the typical attitude is like, no, never give up, never quit. This attitude was like, you quit all the time. If you're doing something and it's not productive, mm-hmm. you're not enjoying it, it's not what you want to do. There's no sense in continuing just for the sake of finishing if it's not going in a direction that you want. Now, you can admire a certain degree of tenacity and stick-to-itiveness, but also, Grit. you know, at some point it just becomes silly. Like, I'm going to finish this even though it makes me miserable and everything about it is horrible. And when I finish, mm-hmm. it's not going to make any difference at all. And I'm just going to walk away from yeah. it. Okay, that would never describe me. No. no, I wouldn't say you're that kind of finisher. I think I am similar to you in that I'm a starter and not so much of a finisher. <laughs> I'm glad I could pass that. Yeah, over. thank you. Well, also remember, nothing is not finished until you're dead. Oh, right. I, that, I'm going to have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> yeah. You could go ahead, start something, put it aside for a while, and come back to it 
six months later, a year later, Mm -hmm. there are projects that I've seen at your place that kind of lingered and then, you know, came back. Ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A renewed energy really finishes the project. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. So what I've been thinking about is like how our society conceptualizes productivity and the emotional attachment we have to our value in terms of how productive we are or are not being. Oh, yeah. Quarantine happened and we all, I mean, I think we really had to slow down. I mean, we couldn't go anywhere. It was really terrifying to go public places. And there's this like invisible agent of death chasing you down with every breath. Like that was a scary thing that I think really incentivized most people. I won't say all, but most people to stay home and take it seriously. And I think when we had to slow down, there was kind of this shift of like, holy shit, like I have been going and going and going and it feels so good to be able to spend this quality time with my family or take that 30 minutes doing yoga in the morning or making dinner with my husband and those kinds of things Mm -hmm. that to me I feel are productive but I think in generalized society sort of feel frivolous or like a luxury because they aren't directly associated with money making and I think so much of our capitalist I think if I could take two huge draw like takeaways from college it would be ego and capitalism and those are the things that really drive (laughs) is that all all, that's it i feel like most things you can boil down to ego and capitalism and i feel like we're so programmed that our productivity is measured by the amount of money that we're bringing in and also in comparison or in competition with other people in our field or out of our field that when we're kind of taken away from that environment and isolated to just ourselves and our own worlds and sort of forced to be living in our own reality that isn't being stimulated by like so, so like social culture or the envi- like the workplace environment or our peers and stuff realizing that productivity in relationships productivity in rest productivity and like caring for self productivity and just sitting and thinking or deep breathing like I value those things in my life as being productive because they make me feel better and they're not bringing in money and sometimes there's like this emotional thing of like feeling guilty for not being like the working woman straight out of college you know I know no I I mean that's the whole like for me it's the whole middle class if we could all broaden our middle class society mm-hmm. we we would be able to do those things but we there's such a disparity of wealth and everything so you've got people who are scraping the bottom can't get by and so they're having to work their asses off and then you got these other people to me that's like being middle class is having just enough mm. so that you can go through life do the things that you like to do Give the attention to the things that me are meaningful, whatever mm-hmm. that may be, mm-hmm. and not have so all the stress. And I mean, that's what makes me a social democrat and all those things because I'm just like, no, no, no. People don't understand. Just having just enough is a wonderful place to be. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another. There's an anthropological theory that's about scarcity and that we're sort of socioculturally programmed to understand the world through a lens of scarcity that there's not enough and that we have to keep grinding and even if you have something that that's not enough you have to keep going and keep grinding and always be bringing 
taking in more and always strategizing or manipulating so that you have more because there's never enough for everybody. And you better be goddamn sure that you get your slice of the pie before it's all gone. Yeah. And that is a huge drive for people to be constantly contributing to the economy, people to constantly be moving around the world, constantly be bringing in money, like all of those things. But And, and like the people behind them, like kicking them down. Exactly. Like, don't get up to me. Don't get too close to me. Right. Don't get too exactly. close to my well. And that's a huge, I mean, it's a really effective tool in driving capitalism. But in reality, like, there's plenty, like, a I'm lot just... of your life. And for there to be this, like, a scare, and I'm not discount, like, there are places in the world where there is a serious scarcity of nutritious food or sanitation yeah. or fresh You're water. You're first world countries right I'm now. talking about first, like, I'm talking about America specifically. And the scarcity that we're sort of conditioned to feel in our place in the world, our status in the world, and that there's not enough for us to be the next thing or or even just okay where we are. And I think that we're so conditioned to operate on this level of fear and anxiety that when we do take the time to just kind of check into our bodies, check into our self, check into our mind, it feels like such a luxury. And it's also kind of this guilt trip of being like, I'm not grinding. Like, if I'm not making money right now, I won't have money, which is like, I mean, the hours that you're not spending working, you're not going to be earning money for, but that's not the end of the world. Like those hours can be spent doing things that better yourself, that in turn better your relationships with your spouse or your kids or your family. And those in turn make your life much richer. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, again, it's a middle-class luxury of how it would be nice to live. I mean, I can hear the counterpart to that for people say, well, there are people that, you know, know, the U.S. in particular being a first world country, we have some of the poorest of the poor. Hmm. And so people can use that as the as the opposition. And but I'm like, no, that that is more the reason to say spread the wealth, Mm -hmm. share the wealth. Right. Whatever we have to do, you know, in our country. Um, be, becoming fired is such a huge, um, what am I trying to say? It's such a huge um, thing to get off of emotionally. Uh, what happens to you once you get fired or lose a job to then the timing that you get back on. And if you look at other countries, other first world countries where it's much more fluid, it, it, it financially keeps you in a better position or in this country, it can knock you out in a second right. to become unemployed. So you can be going along, have your savings, being, and then it can suddenly you can just knock you on your feet. And so I think we have these like disparities that are weird, and people are not really making a lot of sense. But it's- well, I think what you're describing is that we have such a wealth disparity that for many Americans, an an instant change that gives a financial insecurity is a reality like a devastating reality and it shouldn't be and it It shouldn't be but that's what it is yeah and i I, and that's capitalism and there we go and and i bring it back back over Corey. how are you feeling about that one weren't we gonna start this podcast because you guys were funny 
I know. Mm. This is the second week where we're like, eh. Let's talk about society. I, know. I don't know. I you think know, Corey, you put the headphones on us and we start getting up. We just get like our professor get, brains re- on. We get recorder shy. We're trying to recording shy. Yeah, listeners. we get the recording shy. Couldn't you just like have like some um, like microphones that kind of float in front of us so we could like because like right now what I really want to do I want to go show Hannah the ants. Oh, I don't know if I really want to see the ants. Oh, you want to see the ants? I also think that these are real. You knock on the wall. Knock on the wall. And the ants go. Which wall? I want to see this. It's in Michael's studio. That's gross. I don't think I need to see that. Ants are gross. They're fascinating creatures. Yeah, totally. We'll do a special episode on this. After this is all done, you'll get your phone and you'll show it. Okay, I'll do a little sample. Hmm. I'm knocking on the wall. Because you got to knock on the wall to get them all like, what's going on? It's like an earthquake. It's really kind of cruel of me to do. but But that's who you are. The ant population, I'm, I'm... I love them, but... Deeply passionate about? Well, no. I just don't want them to come in my house. Mm. I'm good. They can go all over everywhere else, but just don't come in the house. Don't come in my house. God damn it. Thank you for listening to the Soft Pants Podcast with your hosts, Molly Pruitt and Hannah Warren. Original music by Mark and the Nephew. Logo by The Niece. Produced by Corey Fry. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review. 